Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 3. A recap just from Acts chapter 2 is... Um, Jesus had told His disciples that He would send the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And with boldness, Peter stood and he preached a wonderful message from the Scripture, from the prophet Joel, the prophet David. Conviction came. Salvation came. The church was started. The church was planted. Uh, there was a hunger for spiritual things. There was, they, uh, they continued, the Bible says, in doctrine and fellowship, communion and prayer, unity in the church. As you, as you, as you take a look at the book of Acts, um, one way to, uh, to look at it is a transition book. Uh, a transition from Old Testament to New Testament. You say, well... Old Testament, it's the fifth book in the, in the New Testament. Why would it be considered a transition book? Because doctrinally speaking, uh, the New Testament doctrine starts at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the life of Christ, which Jesus Christ lived uh, under the law to fulfill the law. And so those doctrinally are still under the Old Testament. So at the death of Jesus Christ, His burial and resurrection, the gospel is now able to be preached in salvation by grace through faith. And the New Testament begins, and that is uh, played out in the, uh, in the book of Acts. This indwelling spirit now, uh, the church being birthed, which is... Jew and Gentile alike in the body of Christ. This is a new thing. Um, So if you will, take your Bibles and and look at Acts 3 with me. We're going to read uh, the first 11 verses. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And of course the the Jewish day would go from 6 o'clock to 6 o'clock, so the, the ninth hour, this would be a, an evening prayer. This would be about 3 o'clock. Um, I like what the, the Bible says in, in Psalms fifty-five, seventeen: evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. So here Peter and John are on their way to the temple for this evening prayer. And the Bible says in verse 2, A certain man, lame, from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, 
give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up and walking and entering with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was him that sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Let's stop there. First, I want us to take note as we look at this passage, Peter and John going to the temple to pray. You know, we talked about last week that doctrine can be simple. And in that passage of Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, he talks about a doctrine and, 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 and communion and fellowship and prayer. Listen, this is the backbone of the church, is prayer. It was right from the very beginning, uh, prayer, the, the doctrine that you and I, the truth that you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace and talk to the Lord God Almighty, the Creator of the universe. By ourselves, alone with God. But it's wonderful and it's, and it's, and it's a, a sign of unity when you can together fellowship in prayer. We see Peter and John here. Now Peter and John have a long history. From way back when Jesus called them as fishermen, they were buddies back in the day, and, and then they served the Lord and walked with Him and saw the miracles that Jesus had done together. And they even went so far as to backslide together. Remember that? And Peter says, I go a-fishing, you know, throws up his hands to quit, and John says, I'm going with you, right? I mean, these guys were close. Listen, they were, they were so close that of, of, when John wrote his Gospel, I find this interesting, I mean, he's writing about, you know, the most serious thing, the resurrection of Christ in John chapter 20. John is. And he happens to throw in that passage that he and Peter were running to the temple after they heard that Jesus was gone. And John just threw in there that he outran Peter. And it just shows kind of the, the friendship here. He's like, oh, and by the way, I outran Peter. This is for Christians to read down through history. I was faster than Peter on my way to the, see the resurrected Christ. But here we now see them serving God together. And here we see them praying together. You know what will make a strong church? Is the believers praying together. Fellowshipping together. I don't think it should be strange that uh, during a conversation that we have here at the church that Someone says, let's pray about that. Pray together. Or they hear something going on in someone's life and say, listen, I'm going to pray for you about that. And it may even be so far as to phone call throughout the week and to pray together. Think about the strength of a family, a family that prays together. A husband and wife that take time to pray together for thankfulness, just praising God for their goodness. Uh, the struggles that they face, the heartaches they face. You know, sometimes uh, things in marriage with children or with all uh, health issues, whatever it is. But listen, to be able to say, hey, hey, honey, let me pray for you. Let's pray together. Let's talk to the Lord together. 
You see that here with Peter and John. They're on their way down to the temple and they're praying together. But here we, they, they're on their way into this beautiful temple through the beautiful gate. And they meet this poor man out in front. And the condition of this poor man is that he was lame from his birth. He was lame from his birth. Now, the Bible says here that he had some friends, right? He had some friends. They carried him daily to the gate. You know, he had some friends, but they could only help him so much. They could only take him to the, carry him to the place where he could daily beg for alms. I can almost picture him up. I've seen it myself, uh, folks. You know, with uh, in, in in India, especially there's a there's a big a Christian church in one of the big cities that uh, in Chennai there, and out in front of the church uh, at church time when it's letting out, there's all kinds of folks that come out and they'll beg and they'll have cups and they'll ring things and they'll stay there and they're crippled and they're um, in in bad shape and they'll ask for for money and just enough money to possibly get a meal for that day. Just something to get by from that day. And I think of this man sitting here. He's in front of a beautiful gate. He's in front of a beautiful temple. But he has no hope. Very little hope. Only enough maybe to get something to get by. I would think that this spot was a good spot for him as he caught all the religious folks, you know, that would come by and they'd feel good about helping him. And again, it's not, it's, not, it's not bad, obviously, to do good. It's good to do good. But we see the story of the rich man and Lazarus, how that, uh, the Lazarus got the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And I'm, I'm kind of concerned as, with Christians that some of our charitable efforts are only enough to help people get by for a day or two. You say, well, that's, not, that's, that's a good thing. No, that's a good thing. But as we're going to see here, we have something that's far more valuable than just getting by for a day or two. As Peter and him come to see this man in this condition, the best that this man could do is ask for money. The best that he could do is ask for some money to get by. Um, His condition was that he was fallen. Because of our sin nature, you and I, we also are lame. We also have uh, conditions that uh, disable us spiritually. The Bible says that without Christ, we're lost. Right? Without Christ, we're lost. And honestly, if you look at the world today, uh, people that don't have the hope of Jesus Christ, the best that they could hope for, the best is they, that they could hope for in the condition that they're in is to get a little money. Just to get ahead. Just to make something. Just to get get more, just to have something. And if you look around, there every person has a crutch, don't they? Something that they use to, to take off the pressure, something that they use to just get by. G, the Bible says, David says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That's not to say that, uh, that there was a sinful act in, in David's conception. It was just that David says, Listen, by nature... By nature, I'm a sinner. I was born with the sin nature. I was born with this disabling effect on my life that has separated me from God. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, 
Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, talking about Adam, and death by sin, death passed upon all men, and the Bible says, for all have sinned. The Bible says that in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's man's condition. All over the world, no matter where we're at, no matter how beautiful things that people have, the condition is without Christ, they're lost. This man was expecting to receive something here. He says, then what he said, uh, Peter, Peter fastened his eyes on him, verse 5, and he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. He's, he was just expecting to receive a little something from Peter and John. And I believe that his expectations were kind of low here. He had no idea what Peter and John were about to offer him. I think in our lives sometimes that our expectations are too low. As Christians, I believe that we serve the living God, the one true God. And sometimes our expectations are too low. Sometimes we think that, that God can only do what's ever been done. Sometimes we think that uh, God can't do those great miracles in our life, that God can't deliver us from the situation or the things that we're in. Sometimes our prayers are even weak and that we're just praying that God would just help us get by when the Lord wants to show Himself mighty in our life and deliver us completely. Listen, I think that if we realize that we serve the living God, sometimes our prayers, if our prayers are in faith and in spirit, sometimes our prayers should scare us. Peter says, we don't have any money. <laughs> I'm sure at this point he's thinking, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Peter says, listen, we don't have any money, but I've got something better. Better, you know? What can be better than that? What can be better than the money, right? What could be better than silver and gold? You know, this man sitting there thinking, no one's ever offered me anything more. I mean, he'd been sitting here a long time. He'd been lame since birth. He'd been sitting here forever. He's met about every religious person in that city coming in and out of the temple. And he had received money from a lot of different people, but my goodness, no one had ever offered him something more. Peter says to him, look on us. You can see the shame of this man as he was begging. He wasn't even looking up. He was asking for something but couldn't even look people in the eyes. And I find it interesting that Peter here and John, they make eye contact with this guy, don't they? He says, hey, look at us. Everybody knows that when somebody's selling something or someone's asking for something, you can almost get by if you don't make eye contact, right? Everybody has done this. I mean, they hear the guy jingling the bell or whatever. And even the poor Girl Scout cookies out in front of Kroger, I guarantee somebody here has been guilty of acting like they're talking on the phone or something as they walk by just thinking, if I don't make eye contact, right, I won't even feel bad. But Peter and John, they said, hey, look at us. Look at us. we got something to tell you. The Bible says that Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Lazarus, rise up and walk. He's healed. 
He's healed. This man was looking for a temporary fix. And he met the permanent solution. You say, what's the answer to the, to the problem? What's the answer to man's fall? What's the answer to uh, poverty? What's the answer to sin? What's the answer to all the things that we look at in death and war and all these? The answer is the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ. And this man met Him. This man was introduced to something better than silver and gold. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They said, rise up and walk. There is power in that name, is there not? There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. He has a name above every name. The Bible says that he, his ankles and, and, and his feet receive strength in verse 8. And he leaping up, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. I guarantee they'd never seen anything like this in the temple before. I don't, this was all new for a lot of people. This was new for Peter. He'd never seen anything like this either. He's thinking, wow, what's going on? This man had been sitting. I mean, everybody saw him. Everybody had been walking by him. And for the first time, maybe, we don't know exactly the story, but maybe for the first time in his life, this man who had been sitting outside the temple goes in. Leaping. And praising God. To this point, he was an outsider. He may not have been welcome. He may have felt out of place going into the temple. But not with Jesus. Not because of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about in, in Matthew when John the Baptist knows that he's going to be beheaded. And he sends his disciples to say to Jesus, Are you the Christ or do we seek another? Remember? He thinks, hey, listen, I'm about to die for this. I want to make sure he's the Messiah, right? Are you the Christ? And Jesus tells John's disciples to go back and he says, go and tell John the blind receive their sight and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. The Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 21 when Jesus is is purging the temple. He's, he's turning over the uh, tables and, and driving out the uh, money chargers and, and putting all those things out. He says in verse 13 of Matthew 21, And He said unto them, Jesus, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And then He calls for, And the blind and the lame come into the temple. And he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna, the son of David, what do you think the next words are here? They rejoiced in the Lord? No. The next words are, they were sore displeased. This kind of disruption in the, in the everyday mundane religion of the lame coming in and rejoicing, People shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. This sort of thing made them uncomfortable. But what in the world good is the house of God if it's not a house of prayer and praise of God? If it's just a place to come and do the same old, same old routine, the same old, same old thing just for the people that are, don't need Him, 
You understand what I'm saying? If the, the, the church is not a place for people that don't need God. It is a place of people that are in need of God that come in and say, I'm lame. I'm in trouble without you, Lord. And I have come here to thank you and praise you for the good things that you have done for me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. This is, this is true in our lives. It is because of Jesus Christ that we come in. Listen, I don't know if you realize this, but we would be outsiders if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. If it was still the Old Testament, we would be Gentiles without God. Do you see this, the picture here? That Jesus Christ, the Bible says, I am the door. He says that in John chapter 10. And he says, I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And then in verse 16 of that chapter, he says this, talking about you and I. He says, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, talking about Israel. Other sheep I have that are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold, he says, and, I, and one shepherd. See, up to this point, Jesus had even said, I am not come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus Christ came here to be the Messiah, right? He came to be the Messiah. And he was rejected by Israel. He was rejected by the high priest. He was rejected by the Pharisees. He was rejected. And you know what he said? Okay, now whosoever will. Now the door is wide open. Jew and Gentile alike. That is the mystery of the church. If you read Ephesians chapter 3, Paul tries to tell us in Ephesians 3, the letter of the church there, the mystery of the church, which is now Jew and Gentile alike. No difference between the two in the body of Christ through salvation. Listen, if it had not been for Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you and I would be outsiders. He made it possible for us to come in, to be part of the family of God, to be part of the body of Christ. Romans chapter 11, that whole passage there in Romans 11, Paul's writing to the Romans, and you can't get more Gentile than that, right? The Christians at Rome, he writes to them, and he and he's telling them. He says, "Listen, the Jews rejected Christ, who Paul was a was a Pharisee. He says we rejected Christ, and now Jesus Christ has made it possible for whosoever, whoever wants to come in." And he tells them in there that God's going to go back to the Jews. He's going to go back to, as the King of the Jews. But he says this that during this time the Gentiles are grafted in. He he even uses that terminology, been grafted into Christ. And he says in verse 25 of that passage, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this. You know, it's just a miracle. Stop for just a sec. It is just a miracle that the Pharisee, Paul the Apostle, who was Saul of Tarsus, says brethren to a bunch of Roman Gentiles. That right there, to us we read over it, but that is a miracle. That one. He, said, he says, listen, you and I are brothers in Christ. You and I are part of the same body. We're the same people. He says, brethren, Paul talking to them, he says, brethren, you should not be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. 
He says, listen, you've been grafted in. See, this, this, this transition book that I'm taught, the book of Acts, all, everything that is happening here in the book of Acts is a new thing. I mean, this is all new to Peter, right? As these things are happening, Peter's like, wow, never seen that before. Wow. I mean, he's living it out, but he's like, wow, look at the power of the Lord. Look at the power of the resurrected Christ. Look at the power of the Holy Spirit in us. As he sees thousands saved on the day of Pentecost. And, and, and as, as Peter is ministering and as Peter is preaching and as Peter is doing these things, Peter is learning. I mean, he is on-the-job training. We even see that when you read Acts chapter 10, right? Acts chapter 10, there's a Gentile, Cornelius. He's a centurion of uh, the Italian band. And he is, he is seeking God. He wants to know God. And so in the middle of this man seeking the Lord, God's going to use Peter to preach to Cornelius, to lead him to Christ, right? But while he's using Peter to lead Cornelius to Christ, he's teaching Peter that there's no difference between Jew and Gentile anymore. That there's no difference now. And so while he's preparing Peter, Peter's sitting there praying, the Bible says at noon up on his housetop, and the Lord shows him in a vision this uh, sheep that comes down, right? And in there is all these unclean animals. And Peter, a good, a good Jew, a good, a good uh, a follower of the law, had never eaten anything in his whole life that was unclean or common, right? The Lord says to Peter, take and eat. Peter says, not so, Lord. <laughs> I'm not touching anything that's unclean. I won't, eat, I won't let that stuff touch my mouth. Right? The Lord has to tell Peter three times, take and eat, take and eat. The Lord says, no longer is there anything called uh, uh, unclean or common that I call clean. I mean, Peter's like, what? This is a big change from what I knew under the law, the dietary law that was so strict that one time I would have never broken it. And then, after teaching that, he sends him to preach to Cornelius. Peter's like, okay, I don't even know what's going on here anymore, but Jesus Christ, he was the Messiah, he was crucified, he was buried, rose again. Cornelius says, I believe it, he and his whole house except Christ. You know what Peter's conclusion was when he, when he goes back? He says, God is no respecter of person. Anyone from any nation that accepts the Lord, he will accept them. So Peter, he's on the job training. The, the, the picture here is you and I were outsiders, but the Lord, through Jesus Christ, has let us come in. There's a picture in the Old Testament of this in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Hold your finger in, uh, in Acts 3, but, but turn there. 2 Samuel chapter 9. The Bible says in this passage, you know, the Lord had made David king over Israel. And Solomon or Saul had died and Jonathan had died. Jonathan was a close friend of David's. And uh, after David is established as king over Israel, he says, uh, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to? Now this was uh, rare for a king to show kindness to descendants from the previous king if you weren't in the same bloodline. But David says, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to? And they said, yeah, there is one. Uh, his, name, his name is Mephibosheth. And he's Jonathan's son. And he, 
He lives down in Lodabar, but the problem with Mephibosheth is that he's lame. He can't walk. And David says, go and get him. In verse 7 of 2 Samuel chapter 9, And David said unto him, Fear not, as Mephibosheth comes, because Mephibosheth thought, My goodness, I'm, I'm a descendant of the last king. This might be it for me. And David said when he saw Mephibosheth, he says, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And David gives all Saul's land back to him and he gives servants to him to be able to tend his land and be able to give him all the stuff back that he once had. And David shows him the kindness. But look at verse 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. You look at this picture of Mephibosheth as he slides up to the table with the king. And as he sits there at the table and everyone's around the table, his lame legs are under the table and you can't see that. Those things are covered, right? And he is equal with everyone sitting around the table in communion with God. I think that that's true with us as Christians that the Lord shows us, God shows us kindness for Jesus' sake, right? And He covers our sin. He covers our, our faults. He covers our past. He covers those things. And we can sit at the table and commune with the Lord and fellowship with Him. The Lord, I believe though, even does one better in the New Testament. He makes us completely whole. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke 17. Luke 17. I want to look at the story here of the ten lepers that Jesus healed in Luke 17. In verse 11, the Bible says, And it came to pass as He went to Jerusalem that He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as He entered into a certain village, there met Him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Listen, they were outsiders, weren't they? And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when He saw them, He said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priest, and it shall come to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan and Jesus answered and said where are the ten cleansed he says uh, oh, excuse me and Jesus said were there not ten cleansed but where are the nine there are now found that return to give glory to God say this stranger and he said unto him arise go thy way thy faith have made thee whole. Jesus Christ heals the ten lepers, but one of ten, one of ten goes back and says thank you. One of ten goes back to glorify God. Listen, this morning we were an outsider. Without Christ, we were without hope. We would, we would not have hope of eternal life without Jesus Christ. Listen, this morning, all I'm saying is I would hope that we would be like that one that goes back and gives thanks. I find it's interesting that he goes back and gives thanks and he's made completely whole. Not only is his leprosy gone, but maybe parts of this body that had fallen off from the leprosy came back. 
You know, sometimes we are missing things in our life. Some things are out of place. Some things are gone. And I think it's always good advice to say, start giving God thanks. Start being thankful for the things that He has done. And you may be surprised that some things may just come back. And they may come back better than they were before. All I'm trying to say is, listen, sometimes we we think that we... uh, Sometimes, unfortunately, we, we don't think we're all that bad. It's hard to praise God and it's hard to be thankful for what God's done for us if we don't realize how much we needed Him. <laughs> Listen, I'm here to tell you, I'm not lame anymore. I was at one time. I was with at one time. I was without hope and without God, but He saved me. I've got something to be thankful for. He's forgiven my sins. Listen, if you are lame in here, you know what I'm talking about. If God's forgiven you, if He's given you eternal life, if He's grafted you into Christ, if He's made you part of the elect, chosen, uh, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, all these things that, that relate to us as, as Christians, we've got something to be thankful for. There should be a little leap in our step, a little joy in our voice saying, listen, God is good to us. Then, we can see others in the same shape that we are. That all they have to live for is just to get a little silver and gold. That all they have to live for is this earth and this earthly material, you know, to gain in this world. And we can look and we can say, listen, you don't have to stay lame. Come on in. Come on in. Come and rejoice and praise God and worship Him. Look at verse... Go back to Acts chapter 3. So they're walking into the temple. They go in. He goes in with with Peter and John in verse uh, verse 11 and then verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own... Our own power or holiness, we made this man to walk. Peter's looking at all these people that they're looking at Peter and John, and he's saying, look, it wasn't, it wasn't John or I. It wasn't us that did this. It wasn't by our own holiness or our own goodness that this man was healed. Verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son, Jesus who, who ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One, the Just One, and desired a murder to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life. And so Peter begins to preach, it's not by us that this man is healed. This is, this is what it means to bring God glory. Hey, listen, any good in our life, any joy that we have in our life, it's not by us. It's from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? It's from the one true God. Peter and John, as they went down to this temple, they knew the opposition that they were facing. See, there was people that heard their message, but there was a group of people that were entrenched in just keeping the religion the way it was, and Peter and John knew it. But what I find is interesting is they did it anyhow. They went down to the temple to pray anyhow, knowing that they weren't welcome there. I mean, you know, it's nice to come to church and listen, we love a church where everyone's welcome and you feel welcome and we want to keep it that way. 
But listen, it's a whole other thing to go to a church where you know that you're not welcome. Peter and John went down there. Look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came unto them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You know what? The Sadducees believed that there was no life after death. There was no resurrection. The way to remember that is they were sad, you see. They had no hope, right? They were sad, you see. There's a, whole, there's a big difference. Listen, these, these Sadducees, the high priests, they were the captain of the temple. I mean, just at one glance, you would find out whose religion was working for them. The lame man that's walking and leaping and praising God, right? Or the Sadducees, right? The priests that are mad that th- something has changed. Things have changed, right? They laid hands on them, verse 3, and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. How was Peter and John received for this uh, lame man accepting uh, the, the healing power of God? They were thrown into hold. They were put out of the temple, right? But verse 4, this is the reason why we do it. How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed. You know, there was a group of people, not the captain of the temple, not the Sadducees, not the Pharisees, but there was a group of people there that said, I've been walking by that guy for many years. And that temple and those Pharisees have done nothing for him. And they're saying that by the name of Jesus Christ, that one that rose from the dead, this man now walks. I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know more about this life. I want to know more about this joy. He says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them was about what? 5,000. Listen, everywhere we go, people aren't going to be happy to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everywhere we go, people aren't going to receive the word with joy and gladness when you talk about Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. But some will. There are some that will. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 3,000 came to Christ at Peter's first message. 5,000 at his second. Listen, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, all we're supposed to do is seek the Lord and proclaim His goodness, proclaim that God, the Gospel. And as we do that, our message is, listen, we're just a sinner saved by grace. It's not by us. It's not by our own holiness. It's not by our own goodness. It's by Jesus Christ. And be quick, like that lame man, to praise God and worship God and thank God. Listen, as Christians, there should be a little bounce in our step, a little joy in our voice, a little uh, passion about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Our, Our walk and our faith is more than a temple. It's more than a building. It's more than a beautiful thing that we look at here on earth. It's more. Listen, if you've experienced salvation, you've experienced something more than silver and gold. You've experienced something more than the riches that this world has to offer. And that's a message we're talking about, sharing with people. Like Peter and John, we have the good news. We have it. 
The value of the gospel, the value of the good news, again, is greater than silver and gold. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The value that he puts on one soul. As a Christian, listen, we can't help everybody financially. We can't help every, all the poor. Jesus said the poor you'll have with you. It's good to help when you can, when you see the need, and you can help. I think the, the love of God in us will constrain us to help when we can. But, but realize that we have something better than financial help. We as Christians, we as the church, we have something better to offer this world than silver and gold. I'm not saying this in a rude way. I think that we should help and feed those that are hungry and give water to those that are thirsty. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if we feed someone that's hungry one day, they'll be hungry the next. But if you give someone eternal life, do you see the difference? If you give someone eternal life, that lasts forever. We hold that as the church, as Christians, as followers of Christ. We're bearers of that good news. We can give someone more than just a temporary fix. Like Peter and John, I think we ought to just go through our life praying, talking to the Lord. And when God puts someone in our path, fix your eyes on them and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. It can change their life. It can change their life. If we get deep down in our soul, sometimes we're a little bit shy about telling people the good news of Jesus Christ because we really wonder if it'll work. See, people that have problems, they have issues, they have sin in their life, right? They're crippled by it, almost. When we get convinced that the answer to those problems, the answer to man's fallen nature is Jesus Christ, the Gospel. I think we'll open our mouths more. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we want to come before You this morning like the, the lame man that was healed. Lord, rejoicing in You, thanking You for Your goodness and grace in our lives. God, I pray that You would help us as Christians to be bold, to when You open the door, when You put someone in front of us, Lord, that we would be unashamed to proclaim Your name, the name that's above any name, and give them hope of eternal life. Lord, we love You. Pray that You just draw us close to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area. God bless you.